Okay, hello and welcome back to the Skate Room Podcast, where we chat art and skateboarding in the name of social change. And we're here from the Brussels HQ and very happy to welcome Tim, Programs Directors of CGF, uh, a project we've been working with for a couple of years now and that we're very happy to continue supporting throughout the year. Yeah, well, Thanks. Tim. happy to be here. Thanks welcome, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is an introduction for uh, all our audience to know what you do. How would you describe Concrete Jungle Foundation in a sentence? In one, yeah, I mean, in two sentence. sentences, a really long one, <laughs> really one long sentence, six um, page dossier. Give it to us, come on. Uh, Concrete Jungle Foundation is a non profit organization that builds skate parks and runs youth programming in uh, communities in, in developing countries around the world. Nice, That's okay, cool. And how did you uh, become a skater? How did you, what led you to this point where you're with Concrete Jungle Foundation? What's Ooh. your background? The, um, how I become a skater, um, I think it just started with me seeing somebody skateboarding down the street. I think it's a, quite a classic story and I just yeah. was very intrigued by it. And I went to the skate park one day, tried to skate on somebody's board and that was it. Like I was hooked and I didn't really do anything else after after that. And where did you grow up? In uh, the Netherlands, in uh, Vianne, it's a close, uh, small city near Utrecht. Okay, cool. That's where my dad lives. Really? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and what, what, you know, how did skateboarding shift your perspective? You know, were you a sporty person generally or was skateboarding kind of the first thing that brought you into that, uh, that kind of lifestyle? Where did it fit in? Um, well, yeah, I was always a very sporty child. Like I was always doing a lot of different sports and I was, I think I was like switching every year between different things. Um, but I think in skateboarding, I really found something, uh, I think maybe for a few different reasons that really hooked me like it was something that didn't have like a specific trajectory of like a progression like there was it was so open and there were so many different things to discover with it which like kept my interest I guess for mm -hmm. a long time and I I think also a big part of it was the like the community around it right like the people that I met through skateboarding and uh, the friends and I started like going a lot more outside of my uh, small uh, town through skateboarding meeting a lot of people from different places because there were a lot of things that uh yeah, skateboarding opened up for me, I think. Yeah, and well, what uh, what were you studying? What what sort of career did you have in mind for yourself before you uh, ended up doing what you were doing? Was there a, was there a tra trajectory you were on? Um, a little bit, but not. So I was uh, I studied pedagogical sciences, and my master's was uh, childhood education and socialization. Okay. And I knew I always knew for some reason, even when I was still a little bit of a child myself, that I was very interested in youth development and like seeing younger kids than me going through these sort of things that I had been going through. And um, that was quite clear for me that that is something that I really was interested in. and I wanted to study that. Um, and then I think throughout my studies, I wasn't quite sure like what what am I going to do with this? Um, but then in my I mean, I was skateboarding a lot at the time and then in my master's, I needed to do and uh, make an assignment on something that you were passionate about. And I was already going a little bit more into the um, field of uh, sports and youth development. So, well, in my case, I just made sense to sort of link um, skateboarding mm -hmm. with youth development. So I, I wrote a paper on how uh, skateboarding could help uh, youth in their personal development in, in uh, deprived situations. And I think that was the first time really in my studies that I was really, really like passionate and stoked about something. and. Um, yeah, I think like with that, like I sort of developed a theoretical sort of framework with it. And at, 
when I was done studying, it was sort of left with that. Like I, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. I started traveling around a little bit. Then I went back to the Netherlands. I started working and I still had this thing in the back of my head of like, I remember the passion that I had for yeah. it. And uh, eventually I decided like, I want to do something with it. I want to see if I can put the ideas that I had back then to practice. Um, so I started to look for, for volunteer opportunities with different organizations. Uh, started volunteering with different different uh, organizations that uh, that were out there doing some things, and then that sort of led into uh, Concrete Jungle Foundation. Okay, but like, so which organizations were you volunteering for, and how did Concrete Jungle actually begin? Like, where was it something already existing, or are you a founding member? What what's the background there? Um, so I went to Palestine first. I volunteered for six months with uh, Skate Aid uh, at, a, at an orphanage in Bethlehem. Okay. And um, it was a quite challenging uh, experience, but also I think very good to sort of see like what kind of challenges come with with that kind of kind of work. And after that, um, I went to uh, still in Palestine to Skatepel, uh, a little bit more up north for a month. And during my last few weeks in uh, when I was at Skate Aid, uh, I really wanted to fix a little bit of the skate park. Like the ramps were deteriorating a little bit but I had no like construction skills so I wanted to get in touch with the person that built it to see, see if I could get some tips from him and that mm -hmm. person was Harry Gerard one of the founders of Concrete Jungle Foundation and him and Clement at that moment that I was in Palestine uh, the both of them were setting up Concrete Jungle Foundation they were setting up the, the first pro project uh, which was a little skate park inside of a, a school in a slum in Peru in a city called Trujillo and um, yeah, at that uh, point in time, they had plans to build this park and uh, we actually got in touch about like, hey, we are looking for somebody to run um, programming when the park is there because it's inside of school. Mm. We discussed with the school that it's going to be part of the school curriculum, but we don't really have anybody yet to like uh, run that. And for me, that was, I think, um, the most interesting sort of opportunity that I could have had because like it was, don't get me wrong, it was really, really um, interesting and uh, meaningful to ex to work with those other organizations and see what they were doing. But I still had that thing in the back of my head of when I was studying, like I have this these ideas and I want to put them to practice. Linking education with skateboarding, yeah. Exactly. And this presented that opportunity that uh, it, it was in an, in a school setting, so it was a little bit more mm. formal. They were looking for an educational program with skateboarding, um, and yeah, most of the most of it was already set up for at least for for my ideas and for the project as well. So it was, uh, I think, really a good match. So after the the month at Skatepel, I flew out to Peru, and then um, yeah, I started. That's when I started working with Concrete Jungle Foundation. Okay, so you were play you were uh, pl uh, based in Peru in Trujillo and you were there for how long um so at the start that was quite just unknown let's say I really just wanted to take the time to put my efforts in it especially since after the first few months I saw that like, this is really the best setup that I that I could hope for like yeah. everything that I would could want is here like it's in, inside of the school and it's there's like a structure I know that I have these and these kids on specific days and specific times and in the weekends um, I could open up the school to have like uh, the kids from the community to come and skate and do some some events and activities and stuff. Uh, so I really wanted to to take the time to make it right. Uh, and especially also since sort of those ideas for my studies 
like when I was in Peru, it really started to form more into creating a curriculum around teaching skateboarding and how can I have like a sort of a responsible way um, to, to teach these classes. Because uh, I, I felt, I guess, some responsibility there too, because it was part of the school curriculum. Like the kids could choose either normal physical education or they could choose uh, skateboarding. Okay, uh, wow, good choice. Yeah. <laughs> I know which one I go for. Yeah, and especially that first year, though, it was there was so much excitement around yeah. it and there were so many kids involved that it was, uh, yeah, it, well, that was really, uh, really cool. Um, and in the end, that ended up being one year. Uh, I was there for one year, developing the curriculum. Towards the end, I sort of had uh, built what is now, or at least the foundation of what is now the EduSkate program, our, our uh, skateboarding youth program that we run. Mm -hmm. And over that period of, of a year, I also had uh, quite a few local volunteers that um, were very involved, uh, skate, local skaters that were very involved in the program and yeah. looking to handing it over. And that was also, I guess, a, a big, big thing with that project because I had zero dollar budget for for the year. Like it was all just see how you can make it happen. Yeah. And then, like when I when we got to that point of like, it's sort of an established thing. We have like uh, something created. Like how are we going to keep that going? And I didn't really see a way to keep that going without being able to pay somebody yeah, to do that. Yeah. Um, but then luckily the organization that we worked with then, uh, Skip, supporting, supporting kids in Peru, um, they really saw the value of what we were doing at the school. Um, so we managed to discuss with them and one of the local skateboarders, Leila, um, she took over as yeah, the... Yeah, Garboza. Yes. She's now Legend. one of your teachers, no? Yeah, at she's the moment, no. Yeah, she, she's not working with us anymore. She has... Uh, Found her own trajectory. She has to, been. Uh, yeah. She has been working. Yeah. 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 After that, she's she been working with us for a long time. She studied psychology as well, right? And she has a lot in pastoral care, things like this. And exactly. she also does the best karaoke version of a gasolina I've yeah. ever seen in my life. <laughs> Seriously, that's pushing borders. Uh, one of the few memories oh. I still have from that experience was watching her just kill it. Yeah. The karaoke. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, she's a wonderful person. And yeah, like you said, it, it lined up so well. She just finished her... Uh, psychology studies yeah. and like she, she fully understood what was the sort of purpose or the aim of the project and i mean yeah. she had been involved for a while so that was uh, quite a an easy handover to her and then after i left uh, she kept the project running for mm -hmm. about a year until um well that's a whole other story at some point the school had to get renovated and mm -hmm. they bulldozed everything down including the skate park wow. so then we lost yeah. the skate park for a while yeah, yeah. Wow. But I mean, CGF Peru is still going strongly. Yeah, yeah, two yeah. new skate parks in the meantime, but maybe yeah, that's yeah, for yeah. later in the we'll conversation. We'll get there, we'll get there yeah. for sure. And like, I mean, that's a big difference. Uh, you know, Utrecht to, to Peru and you're there for a year. I mean, did you miss home? What's going on for you at that time? Are you, in, are you just, are you, you know, I've heard, I've heard stories that you've got a pretty, pretty intense work ethic. Like you're really on it with work. Yeah, I don't know if you call it work ethic or if you call it passion. Like I was just so immersed okay. in, in what I was doing there that I didn't really miss home yeah. too much. Like I was just so stoked on that because I had a little bit my doubts before that. But I was so stoked that in Peru, like everything was just playing out exactly how I could imagine it. And it was such a, you know, it was a dream come to life and see yeah. like what sort of uh, outcome you had with that with like the... Um, 
the weekends where all those all the kids came and there's more and more local skateboarders getting involved and really this community being created around this uh, this space that it, it was just very very gratifying work but it's yeah it was also very intense i think yeah. after that year i was quite burned out and it Trained, was good yeah. that it sort of had that um uh step over to to leila taking over yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So who is the rest of the CGF team? Let's quickly run through the uh, the kind of key players and how, how that organization is structured. All right. Um, so we have Clement Taquet. Clement is the executive director. He's uh, sort of in charge of uh, the finances, but also just the whole organization in general. He does also all, the, all our graphic design. Very, very um, a key part in, in the organization, I would say. He's one of the, the founders. Um, then we have... Troy Björkman from Finland. Uh, Troy is in charge of um, development. He, he does a lot of, with uh, like outreach to different organizations for for support for 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 our work. Um, merchandise um, he does together with Patrick Reins, who is from the Netherlands. Then we have who else do we have? We have Johannes Wimmeder from Austria. Um, he volunteered in Peru in 2020 for six months after sort of uh, everything fell down and to re reconstruct it. And he is still on board in like just uh, coordinating the local team, like the local team at the moment, they're mostly running everything themselves, but uh, just things with um, financial organization or just general organization. If there are any issues, Johannes is, uh, is on that. Then we have Tom Critchley from the UK. Tom does uh, research for CGF and um, also grant applications. He was in Jamaica last year doing a research on the Educate program, like sort of a pre and post measurement of the kids that are involved and what kind of differences do you see after the kids have been involved in the in the program for, for a season. Um, don't want to leave anybody out. We have our board of directors, Harry Gerard, who I mentioned earlier, he is um, on the board. Then we have Lisa Jacob on our board, our chairwoman, and Bob Sevenbergen from the Netherlands. Am I missing somebody? You'll soon have Arthur. We'll soon have Arthur. Arthur has also been involved for, for a while with the Concrete Jungle Foundation. He also volunteered in Peru, and he'll be uh, managing the Morocco project the first year. Very true. And then, of course, we have our local teams in Jamaica. We have our project manager, Blake Burnett, who manages everything on the ground. Uh, yeah. And in Peru, we have Arisa Moreno, who manages everything on the ground. Awesome. We've spoken to her. There's a bunch of familiar names there, actually. Really? Just so, yeah, yeah. Well, we I recently interviewed Bob uh, and his brother, Gijs. Oh, nice. For, the, uh, for this piece, Skate Park Builder Reacts to the Jamaica video with uh, Jago Stock, who I also interviewed earlier today. And he says, hey. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, Alyssa, we interviewed. Arissa? Arissa? Mm-hmm. We interviewed recently as well, put out a piece with her. Yeah. It's nice to hear, you know, the the world is, is, uh, is compact. Everyone's kind of... Uh, it's a real community. It's amazing. It's a real yeah. community. I mean, you know, let's talk a little bit about the Educate program because it's really close to your heart, I can tell, because of this link between education and skateboarding. Like, why isn't building skate parks enough? Why isn't building skate parks enough? Um, Why can't you just go there, build a skate park, and leave? That, yeah. What's wrong with you? It's a, that's a <laughs> 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 it's a good question because I I I know it can work too. Like yeah. there there are some yeah. examples out there of 
people that build a skate park somewhere and it works. But yeah. especially in the places where we built, there are not really the resources available for, for example, as simple as some, somebody having a skateboard, mm -hmm. which is already quite a big uh, issue, I guess. And I think besides that, that, that there is just so much more of a value that skateboarding and the way that skateboarding and its community um, can can bring like I guess that's that's also a little bit of a bridge to the Educate program the whole the whole program is sort of based on not just learning skateboarding tricks or um, yeah specific uh, things in skateboarding but much more on what sort of values are uh, integrated in skateboarding what's you know what can you take out of it and that that goes from from perseverance to um to courage to self-confidence creativity uh encouraging each other like there's so many little things i think in skateboarding that are so valuable not just in skateboarding but in life in general and that you can take 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 out of mm -hmm. out of it in the rest of to the rest of your life um so that's really how it's I guess started with the Educate program and sort of trying to add more values or I don't know if it's adding, it's just like appealing to these things that are already a part of skateboarding. Um, and that's started to expand when we started to expand as an organization too, with uh, much more like community activities and uh, yeah, just a whole bunch of things that, that are organized. Like there's so many things that link to skateboarding that you can attach to a skate park and different yeah. workshop, like art workshops or music workshop mm -hmm. or, you know, like there's so many so many um, easy things to, to link to skateboarding that can make a skate park not just a place where you skate, but a place that is the home of a community where people can come together, where people can learn, where people can express themselves, where people can develop themselves. And that is really the, the sort of vision, I guess, that we try to pursue with, with the skate parks that we built and why we don't just build them and, and leave them. And skateboarding's always had a culture of like, uh, whether it's the industry or the culture on skateboarding, of music, of art, of uh, cool t-shirts, you know what I mean? Whether it's screen printing or, uh, yeah, uh, building ramps, things like this, right? And what sort of key takeaways do you think skateboarding itself teaches young people? Um... I really think that the the biggest one, I mean, we we focus on that in our in our programming as well, uh, but also what you just see at our what you see happening at our projects that people find belonging. Mm -hmm. That uh, we see a lot of kids come in that, um, you know, they're not very, I don't know how to say that, socialized. Like you just see that they have a lot of like behavioral issues, and uh, as soon as they come into the skate park and like find somewhere where they can like see people on a regular basis and connect with people that they feel somewhere at home. And I think that's a super important thing that skateboarding can offer. And besides that also um, to sort of be yourself and like, explore yourself. Like there's, there's so much freedom in skateboarding and I, that's also, you know, like it's the whole idea of like giving skate lessons or organizing things around skateboarding is not to confine it, but just to tap into these, these things that are there. And I, uh, I see that happening with a lot of the kids that come to our projects too, that they find something that is a lot more free and out of the box and where they can just do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that's a really valuable thing to to provide as well to to people if, if, if they haven't experienced that. And of course, I think the third one maybe there is um, being able to build your competence in well a range of different things. It started with us 
which is like through skateboarding, like how not just like getting better at skateboarding, but being aware of like, how do you get better at something? Mm. Um, and then after that, what, what we do now, being able to provide a lot more different opportunities and sort of enrichment activities for the kids to explore, like what do I want or what interests me or um, yeah, just different ways to develop yourself, um, I guess. That's it. Yeah, it's it's super super interesting, um, and I know uh, within the educate framework, you also dig deeper into uh, several life skills. And if I'm not mistaken, there was eleven life skills. Very good, yes. And you run programs for twelve weeks, so there is one week for each life skills. Could you maybe go deeper into which life skills you actually teach through through the program, and do you see any yeah any impact on the kids throughout those three months already? regarding the li those life skills? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we started with like the season format because we wanted to have just like a circular thing that we mm -hmm. can repeat a few times a year. And it's like you said, 11 weeks, every week focuses on a different life skill. And the last week is where we have a big event to sort of close the season and celebrate um, what has been achieved, I guess, over the, over the season. Um, and then regarding the life skills, um so the the life skills that we have in the program some of them are focused on um uh, like personal competence some of them are more focused on social skills so for the personal competence when we start with a positive mental attitude usually when we start a skate lesson the thing you hear the most of like i can't do that or i don't want to do that so the first lesson we start off with like everybody's going to have a positive mental mental attitude we're going to try at least everything that the teacher says today and i think just that just that thing of like the first lesson, you already see so much difference in that, you know, some kids, they don't try and then they sort of fall out, but now they have their mindset of like, okay, I'm gonna give it a try at least. And then it's already a lot easier to, to keep them engaged. Um, like me on, on Tuesday during my first skate session. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, on top, we built, we try to build on top of the skills. Uh, we have self-confidence where like the kids, that, that's the third lesson. Kids have built a few skills and then it's about like, how do you sort of take that forward? So if you know how to ride down a little bank, like you were trying on Tuesday, if you feel, ver if you feel okay with that, uh, we try to build up that sort of skill to a di more difficult challenge or so mm -hmm. something that they already have and build it up to something a little bit more challenging. And then that's that's the whole point of that lesson. You need to have confidence in yourself that you can do it because you know you can do it. You just need to do it. Mm -hmm. um, you want me to go through all the 11 ones? A, a general one, a general idea of the yeah. different, you know, life skills that you teach through the to the program. Because I think it's w the first time I read about it, I really felt like, okay, this makes a lot of sense, you know? Yeah. Nice. But yeah, self-confidence, uh, I guess, we perseverance. Respect, perseverance, respect. resilience. Yeah. We have a, a class mm -hmm. that is just focused on learning how to fall and, yeah, you know, important. falling and getting that back mm -hmm. up. All these all these different things that are have just a, a link somehow to to skating. Yeah. Super cool. And um, because now, so the EduSkate program has been uh, tried uh, or at least implemented, I would say, not even tried because I think there has been real impact that you that you can that you have seen throughout the different places and locations that you that you have implemented in and um you also start working uh on the educate educate sorry program uh with other organizations how, how does that feel to actually see because it's also an educational program that 
I know you've personally been very involved in designing, right? Mm -hmm. um, how is that going with uh, uh, developing it with, or not, not developing it, but uh, yeah, for to seeing other organizations using it and implementing it? But that is the point to develop it with other organizations. Yes, actually, yeah. yes, it is the point. Yeah. yeah, and like you said, like it's been mostly me that has been designing it, and I mean, I have certain ideas on how to do do certain things and something that I noticed with the, even the, the local skate teachers in our, in our teams that they often had some ideas of like how to approach something differently or a different mm -hmm. sort of activity to do with the kids that might connect really well with, with the theme of the week. Um, and I guess the whole idea behind like opening it up more to different organizations is to see, well, first of all, like how does this sort of way of working work in a different context because yeah. we've only tried it in our context and we know that it already works a little bit different in Peru than in Jamaica for example um, but also very much to well yeah like how we started to develop this thing together with all these different people and try to come to a more and more legit sort of uh, package of like how what is the best way or the best activities that you can do to teach skateboarding in a fun and also like a pedagogy pedagogically responsible way awesome. i mean that's you you said it's slightly different in peru from jamaica how many locations is it now in place in and how many of those locations have you yourself lived in now um i've lived in peru and jamaica which mm -hmm. are the two projects that uh, still work with eduskate up, up until this day then in angola the skate park that we built there we had uh, one season that ran um in Vienna, uh, Skateboard Club Vienna, uh, like also a social skate project. They've been working with it with uh, different kids from migrant, migrant backgrounds and like introducing them to different parts of the city through skateboarding. Uh, in Greece, Free Movement Skateboarding has been working with it the past shout out. season. Mm. Shout out to Free Movement, shout <laughs> out to Will. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess five locations now. And Amazing. We're, yeah, we're trying to see this year if we can expand that to about 10. And how wow. much adaptation do you have to do for the program? I know Will mentioned that there's because of the nature of their work, there's quite a lot of adaptation. You can't necessarily follow the syllabus through class by class. It needs to be a bit more standalone. Like, are you seeing uh, that these adaptations are massively uh, changing Eduscape or is it something which kind of holds true in many different forms? Yeah, I think it's definitely been, been changing Eduscape in a good way. Like, I think also like what, uh, what what we said before, like I've been so focused on it that it's a bit of a relief to see like a, a perspective from outside of my viewpoint yeah. on, on the program and how it can work. And that was one of the things that came up with Will, but also with Johannes in, in Vienna, that um, it was much more um, easy way for them to work with the program, to have it more flexible than a fixed, like this is sort of the steps that you that you follow, but that they were discussing with their teachers, like sort of picking and choosing, like, oh, let's focus on this skill this week with the kids. Um, and I think that was a really interesting uh, sort of finding. And I think it's also way more exciting. Like if you get something like this, if you're a skate organization and you know that you can sort of pick and choose what connects to, because mm. you know your kids better than I do or than we do and uh, what would connect with them or what might be a good sort of lesson to cover with them. And besides that, um, another thing that came forward that it was um, a really good idea to try to start c 
creating a, a, a database of like different activities that work well with different uh, lessons because mm -hmm. like now it's still um, like a PDF per, le per lesson with some description of like what is the lesson about and some ideas on how to do it. But what both of those uh, outside organizations mentioned was like it would be so nice to just have like a, a folder, for example, with some ideas of activities that have been executed and have, that have worked so that not every teacher has to sort of reinvent the wheel, but mm. can draw from the inspiration, draw inspiration from what has happened before and what has worked well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, nice. And like maybe maybe we can talk a little bit about Jamaica because I realize, yeah. you know, it's a project which the skate room was also involved in and uh well not sure when this episode will go out but around the time we're actually recording this is around the time that the freedom to flourish documentary by jago stock is uh is being put out which sort of tracks the it's almost like a follow-on from the wave the documentary before it right yeah um maybe you can give us a little bit of a sense of you know what was uh bull bay and this area of jamaica like prior to how did the project come around and What's the community there like now? I mean, that's a big story. So uh, <laughs> so we can also uh, see how far you get. Yeah, it's a big question. Um, so we got into, the pro into this uh, project actually quite late. Like it was something that had been on the table for years and years and years before we, we knew about that something was going on with skateboarding in Jamaica. Okay. Uh, and, and what year was this when it was kind of uh, when you were brought on? Um, that was the start of 2019 that we got brought on. And then we constructed it start of 2020. In the middle of COVID. Yeah, yeah I was going to say something's coming. <laughs> March 2020. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uh, hectic. <laughs> yeah. But before that, before that we got involved, I think they had at least five to ten years that there was a skate community there and that they were like actively looking or trying to mm. find a way to get a skate park there but there was no way that the local government was able to provide something like that um and it's gnarly diy spot right this uh in a gully like yeah. A gully. yeah it is it is a gully it's just like a a place where if it's like rains very hard like a lot of uh, water comes just from floods mountain. through it yeah and then oh it's God. a big cleanup day uh, after that wow yeah uh, but they made it work and um the year before we built, we visited Jamaica twice to meet the community, meet the skaters, meet, uh, uh, yeah, just everything around the the project, all the people that were involved up until that point that were advocating on trying to make it happen. Um, and they already got a few um, big local foundations on board that had committed a, a certain amount of money, but it wasn't enough to, to get, make the project happen. And then when mm -hmm. we got on board, through the support of the skate room, um, we were able to sort of fill the gap of what was needed to to get the project uh, going. Um, and then, of course, right before that we went there, um, we had somebody that was supposed to talk with um, mm. the local community that um, where the skate park was supposed to be, but apparently he hadn't. So then I think it was <laughs> two months before yeah, the, the project that. happened. Um, all of a sudden, we didn't have a piece of land, which was the most stressful period of <laughs> our lives, I think. Um, yeah. But then I think actually that worked out uh, way better in, in the end because it ended up being that um, right in the community where the surface were that started skateboarding, um, that there was a piece of land next to the football club. And I mean, it was way more accessible for everybody mm -hmm. there. 
Um, it's already kids hanging out there. And, yeah. Exactly. It was already a bit of a, yeah, a youth hangout spot. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, it was perfect that that could be fixed in, in those two months before the build. And maybe can you, because I think it was very brave and actually irrealistic uh, or unrealistic at the time uh, when we were all in lockdown uh, in Europe, at least, or mostly around the world. And you guys were building a skate park. I remember it felt so unrealistic. How, how was that? Like, what were there were challenges for sure? But was there anything where you thought we're, we're not going to make it or, you know, it, it was quite a challenge. Everyone was in lockdown, really. Yeah, I, I think we were really in a, in our own little bubble because mm. like we hear we heard what was happening around the world. But I think at that point we were also at this point of like we had like right before the build that point of like we almost lost it and sort yeah. of like this is the end of everything um, and then we were there and we had started building so i think everybody of cgf was just like well it's going to happen no matter what now like we're here we we made it mm. and it was of course super scary that uh, a lot of the the builders like they they flew back mm. home halfway through i heard oh, like yeah, parents were that, calling yeah. them up and being like come mm. home now i've booked you a ticket yeah otherwise you might be there for months years yeah, yeah there was so that. much uncertainty around the pandemic like yeah. nobody really knew what it was meaning so like when you had that call of like that mm. uh, certain embassies were flying planes to to home countries a lot of people were just like well i'm i'm super sorry and of course i don't we don't blame them for any of that no of course um but i have to go back home yeah um so yeah in the end that's uh it just led to a few extra weeks of, of build and I mean we had the time because we weren't sure if we were when we were able to leave yeah. uh, too. Um, I mean Bob uh, Zevenberger was telling me that uh, he got he got that call uh, and uh, decided to, to stick around but honestly it could have been could have been forever you know and that, that maybe the locals were also getting a little bit like uh, uh, nervous as well around the build and around all these things like how was the how was the process like and the relationships forming was was there any tension rising or was it still cool um i think tensions were de definitely rose because yeah. well at the start when the pandemic just happened and like the how do you call that case zero patient zero yeah, yeah. was in Bay, the area where we uh, were living yeah, so yeah, yeah. Bay was just quarantined off of the rest of Jamaica yeah. and we need to get concrete trucks in to build. So at first we didn't know if we could get trucks into to keep the build going. But then luckily that could still happen. Um, but the the whole building process, like we initially started the Planting Seeds Apprenticeship Program mm -hmm. um, in Jamaica there where we try to involve the locals and offer them a paid apprenticeship to learn like the whole steps of how do you build a skate park mm -hmm. from A to Z. But with all that hecticness around the builds, um, halfway through it was just like we have to s somehow see how we can manage to finish this. And I guess for some of them it was um, a lot more chaotic, mm -hmm. like not the sort of organized kind of program that we wanted to teach. But it also put a lot more sort of uh, responsibility on them, and some of them really took that, you know, with both hands, which was which was great yeah. to see that they like we we want to have this done. And I, I mean, for all of them, it was. For all of the locals, it was like that. Like they had been let down so many times in the past with somebody that said mm. that yeah. they would come with, to build a skate park and it didn't happen. And now it was happening okay. and they were involved and they just wanted to have it done. Um, wow. So, yeah, it was definitely more tense, but everybody, yeah. Just Brought you closer through. together as well, huh? Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
but yeah definitely also with like some people had some serious mental health issues mm. during that time because it was stressful. Yeah. Super, stressful. super stressful nobody knew what was going on if they could go home yeah. like what was going to happen so yeah it was we quite were stressed uh, at home so i can't yeah, yeah, imagine yeah. if you're stressed in an in a country that's not yours and you don't know if you're gonna go back home or yeah yeah and and, and then the educate program started there right uh not yeah, but that wasn't until action? no, that wasn't yeah. until oh, months yeah, later. Because first true. everything was that's just true. locked down, everything was closed down, and actually that was uh, a very pleasant thing. Like it was like the universe gave me and the people that were there like a few sort of weeks in just like a nice Jamaica vacation because we couldn't do anything, <laughs> we couldn't start mm. anything up, and mm. um, we had finished the park. Um, so it just like, yeah, it ended up just being that we could hang out. That is what I meant earlier also with that we were in our little bubble. Like mm. during those weeks when we finished the construction, we would just go surf in the morning, skate in the afternoon, make music in the evenings. Like it was such a weird little dream while knowing that everybody yeah. else was like locked in their houses and everything oh, yeah. everywhere was just shut down. It was, it, yeah, it was super surreal. Surreal is yeah. the right word to describe it. And and even with lockdown, I guess the skate park was still, was it closed for a while or... How, how was it? How was the skate park built? Um, how was the local community responding to that? Uh, because you've seen the skate scene was already existing there, mm -hmm. but you probably have seen the development of that and, and how did that all happen, you know? Um, it was actually, um, I was quite surprised by, like in August, we, had everything finished with that we had the right people that we hired the the right local people for the right positions and that we started running programming and stuff mm. um and it was really um incredible to see what the skate park attracted because you you didn't really have public spaces you don't really have a lot of pub public parks in jamaica in general uh, or playgrounds or anything like that so it was quite a new thing for a lot of people there too mm -hmm. like um so at the start i was just i wasn't sure like what are we going to attract like how, how am i going to find enough kids in the community to engage in programming are they going to come or not but then when we started like it was not just the kids but it was the whole community that was wow. just hanging out in the seat stands and looking at everything that was going on and it was just a, yeah i think it was very embraced in the community and i think that also had to do with this whole pandemic thing that everybody was quite scared and then in August when the numbers went down and everything was a little bit more relaxed that it was super nice that there was a place where everybody could come together. And the, and the first season then started after that uh, of Educate, sorry, the first season of Educate started. How was that? How did that all start? Like, was there enough kids to or en or enough spaces at the Educate program for all the kids that wanted to join to join or yeah, how, how did that all go? Um, yeah, I think like the, in the first months when it was still like closed, um, I mean, it wasn't really closed because it was an open public mm. space. So we could just go skate there. But a lot of the there were a lot of people that were already like looking and like, what is this? And uh, sort of getting an idea of it. So by the time that we started, it was super easy to fill the registration list. I think we started with 119 wow. kids yeah. the first season. And it was yeah full on just everyday lessons to, to uh, try to accommodate everybody. Um, yeah, I guess that's the, also, you know, the sort of hype that you have with something new, like there were just so many people that were interested and wanted to be involved in, in some way. So cool. And then you also started a wor uh, homeworking program in Jamaica, no? 
Yeah, but that did, that didn't start till later. We started with that in 2021, and that yeah. was uh, actually a direct response to what we saw happening in 2020. Because as soon mm -hmm. as the pandemic hit, the government uh, decided that schooling in Jamaica was going to happen online. Mm. Um, but a lot of the kids in our community, they didn't have a device or they didn't have internet connection. So we saw them basically at the skate park the whole day. And yeah, we didn't really know like when is, are things going to end or what is going to happen. But at the end of 2020, when the kids were like without school for almost a year, I really felt like that pressure of like, I don't want the skate park to be like a sort of a distraction from that part, but mm. be able to sort of support them in, in, Empower them yeah, in that yeah. too. And like, clearly nothing is happening. So I started talking with a few people in the community that I knew that uh, had been teaching. Um, and I talked with one of our funders uh, from, from Jamaica mm. uh, about starting up a homework program. So then at the start of 2021, all our skate classes that we had during the weekdays, normally they were replaced by homework classes. Um, so four days a week, I think we started, a teacher would come in at the skate park organize uh, basically school because nobody had homework because yeah. nobody was going to school um, and it was really scary at the start I wasn't quite sure like how the kids are going to react to that because like it was all fun and games and you know they can come to the skate park I mean we still were organizing some there was still some structure um, but this was quite a different thing of like sitting work at the skate park. yeah sitting yeah, yeah. in the youth center for <laughs> three hours away from that yeah. instead of like going out <laughs> and skate but it was uh i think mostly due to the teachers and them being so able so able to connect well with the kids that it was without any resistance like at the start we didn't um how do you say that force the kids or anything yeah. to join the homework program it was just there volunteer yeah, yeah. but yeah, the classes were filled every day and it's, uh, that keeps going until now. Since, since the start of this year, kids are going back to school. Some still not, but uh, most of the kids are back in school, which is great. But we still do, our, do the homework classes during the weeks. So it was, you know, also a little bit of like we started with Eduskate and like fully focusing on that. And then, yeah, that need came up and a lot of the programming in the skate park changed due to that, uh, that yeah. I think situation. it's amazing because it's really a proof uh, that you're being very agile depending on where you work and that you also adapt to the to the local needs. And ultimately, that's also what, uh, uh, or at least the vision uh, I have of an NGO is to really be able to respond to the local needs and not just being, um, you know, applying what you do everywhere and that you can adapt. So I think it's really, really amazing to have to be so agile and... and and develop further programs depending on your context and your community. So really amazing. Yeah, you can do anything yourself. And there was so much support from the community for things like that, that it makes it a lot easier to have mm -hmm. make that happen as well, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's welcomed by the community and needed, then they will also be on board to to, to focus on that yeah. and to implement it. Yeah, that's very cool. And then maybe we can we can touch upon the, the upcoming project because the skate room and concrete jungle foundation have been uh yeah we've been collaborating together with centre fierre for at least discussing <laughs> for more than a year now um for a project kind of a very special project uh and uh, the the skate park in a youth center um yeah i i think we can name that a youth center or shelter maybe um, in Tamslot in, Mar in Morocco, in an industrial uh, kind of 
uh, area of uh, very close to Marrakesh. And, um, and I wanted to know if you could share maybe a bit more about your vision uh, of, uh, of the impact that, that, you, that we will be able to generate together in, 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 in time slot and for the, the kids of the Centre Fier Effort, but also of the local community. And, <clears throat> sorry, um, how, how will Educate, I mean, you have the Educate program that is already defined, but uh, it will also be implemented there. So you can tell us a bit more about, about that project. Yeah, what I really, really like about this uh, this project, like we always try to work together with partners on the ground when we have a project and try to reach out to youth shelters to try to reach those kids that would m be most in need of more recreational activities and more maybe also educational, alternative educational opportunities. Uh, and I really like that here it is like bringing it to, to that. Yeah. Um, and besides that, I really like I haven't been you've you've been there. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. but from what I uh, understood from uh, from all the information that got passed around is that uh, the center, they already have a wide range of different things that they do with the kids and a lot of different educational workshops and activities. Mm -hmm. And um, f when I spoke with Arthur, the person who will be uh, in charge there uh, of the skate park, that's you know, the skate park will be also be very integrated in the rest of the center. Like he'll, he will be in the meetings with the teachers. And mm -hmm. um, I really like in that way that it becomes part of of the center. And um, yeah, I think there's a lot of different different sort of um, activities that are already happening there that the skate park can be like a complement to. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, also besides that, so hopefully, I mean, after, after our first discussions, like we just want to start with um, reaching the kids of the shelter, but hopefully at some point also opening up more to to the kids from the community and uh, yeah, be able to have a bigger reach with uh, with the skate park. Yeah, and it's definitely been a, a, a in a way, I guess. I mean, for CGF, it's been a different angle because, uh, as you said, usually you would mostly write work with uh, local partners, but that are already. Um, involved in skateboarding, right? This is how you've worked mostly, mostly until now? Yeah. No, maybe not in the schools in uh, Trujillo. Yeah, not always. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but definitely, I, and, and for the skate room, it's been very exciting also to be able to identify, uh, as you said, a place where there is already a kind of a, a support of empowerment for, for kids uh, and be able to say, hey, actually, we could bring skateboarding to you, and I think that's that was very very exciting for the skate room to to be part of this uh, yeah of this process and and, uh, and and working with you on this project. We're very excited, yeah. and it's finally happening. Yeah, Anyone super excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that the, all of these projects are an opportunity for, as we said earlier, like the tight knit community of social skate, and uh, you know, increased collaborations. You've worked uh, with other partners of the skate room like free movement who we've already mentioned you were recently on a was it one week tour of the uk yeah um and as you said you've been <clears throat> collaborating with them on developing the concrete jungle foundation like how do how do these collaborations and how do you how do you see the social skate movement right now like what do you see happening as more and more projects emerge and begin to kind of collaborate like where is this heading what sort of world is this 
creating and how is this changing skateboarding in the eyes of uh well of the mainstream i suppose i think like uh where we left off is maybe a good point to pick that up because finding strong partners has always been a crucial part of yeah for us to be able to do our work and i think like if you sort of uh, take that to a bigger scale like what we're starting to do with the free movement and uh, hopefully with other organizations this year like it's uh it's creating something bigger than yourself right and i mean i think that's also such a part of skateboarding like you can skate by yourself but you can create so much more with mm -hmm. the whole community of skate of skaters and there's so many beautiful things that can can come out of that um so i very much see that same sort of um movement or mentality however you want to call it um in in this field of work too like there there's not i mean it's starting to come up more and more and more but in in the end like you said it's it's quite a small world like we know most of the people that are involved in yeah this sort of work and um i feel like the first at least for most of us first few years it was just battling to try to find our way of working and be able to to um make ourselves stable um but like with the point where most of us are now like i think it's um a great opportunity to start to work together more build more things together and like grow this thing the same way that skateboarders have grown beyond yeah. just skateboarding yeah and what do you say what would you say you know you said that the initial challenge of the social skate projects is more maybe individual of how do we keep our social actual project running and and how do we get it off the ground but maybe more collectively what do you think is the next big uh challenge for social skateboarding like where what do you think people face the most now um from the organizations that i've been in touch with um like for example last week here it was really nice to speak with Gus from seven hills and will shout from Free out <laughs> not a shout <laughs> out um it's like where is your sort of uh ceiling Mm -hmm. And we, we talked about this in a way of like what kind of opportunities like we can offer plenty of enough opportunities within our structure, um, but not very much beyond that. And that's something that we were discussing also th this this week of like, well, how would we be able to provide more opportunities to these people that we've, you know, like been working with for so long that we see would greatly benefit from from more opportuni opportunities through the work? How can we create a more global network to to sort of raise that ceiling and be able to provide more t for them mm -hmm. because in the end i mean like for example will and me like we're able to travel to these different places and meet these different people and different organizations and be able to benefit from that greatly but of course we would love to be able to provide that for you know the people that we we work with on the ground too mm -hmm. you, you you have in in so many of the like there's so many examples of kids that start as students in in our projects and then move yeah. up to instructors and take on more responsibilities and um i really hope that the social skate movement is going to be a, a way for people to to explore more opportunities through through that well two two examples of that maybe being first of all yanis <clears throat> from free movement who was able to get a passport and come on the beyond skateboarding tour with you guys last week and then also even Layla, who at pushing borders was able to travel from peru to be present and which I can't remember if she was on a panel or whether she was just involved in a lot of the, a lot of the organization, a lot of the uh, events. But yeah, the ability to do these exchanges and to have uh, the to empower these people to go and make their own connections and network and to build their careers in that way, right? 
Exactly. Like I think Leila is such a good example of that. Um, in the sense of that that trip to pushing borders, Momo opened up so many doors for her, and like the trajectory that I was talking about earlier for her. Like she is now, uh, she's now on her way to study in Spain, and she's got oh, yeah. pretty much everything yeah. set out for that. And you know, so it's good. happening, and it's incredible that 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 was able to happen. Yeah, it really changes lives. Yeah. Actually, yeah. 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 So what? For you personally, inspires you to keep working each day and potentially also sometimes at weekends. So the rumors go. De- <laughs> definitely always weekends. Always weekends. <laughs> I think Will asked you, you know, why don't you take the weekends? I was like, uh, no, it's too much of a luxury. Is that what you said? Well, yeah, I guess it came <laughs> down to something like that. Love it. Um, I think really that's the output. Like, yeah. it, it, I, it, of course, I have to be honest, I'm not always motivated. And there's definitely been periods where I was just like, I, I'm, I need to drop this. Like, it's just taking too much out of me. But just the examples of like seeing what comes back out of what you put in, um, as long as that sort of balance is, is good, then that's a great motivation to keep motivation to keep going. I think a big example of that for, for me was also last year when we went to Peru to build two new skate parks. And I mean, I'd been visiting for a week or a few weeks um, before that, but it's been a long time that I was like very much involved on the ground with what was happening. Yeah that first year and like coming back that was four years later and seeing how the local team is handling everything themselves and just managing and just completely like having it down you know like they, they're doing it they know what they're doing they know what the next steps are and that make me so incredibly proud and like that's what you do it for like be able to yeah. see that and how many kids they're able to to impact now through what they're doing um completely on their own um uh, efforts uh it's uh yeah that that is the motivation amazing Claire, you want to see us out yeah i'm sorry you want to see us out yeah we have a last question to end the podcast it's a bit of a classic one but it's an important one so where would you like to see uh cgf in five years from now Oof. i always find it a very difficult question for some reason sometimes <laughs> it's very hard to to look ahead um especially when what I is going mars on mars might need skate parks soon <laughs> 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 i would love to be able to that cgf in five years uh has the, sort of the comfort to be able to um support provide the support to different communities that 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 uh, we get in touch with that uh, that they need and also to be able to really like build upon and expand what we are already doing i feel like within our organization there's always sort of this discussion of like do we invest more in quantity uh like like we have so many emails from different communities of people that would love a skate park but we also know like how much work is involved in that like can we handle it or do we invest more in quantity like we have a few beautiful projects they are doing incredible things um and should we expand on that so I don't know. It's kind of hard to. to I, I, ideally, I would like to see both happen, of course. Mm. But I, I don't know if uh, we, we're going to have that luxury. Um, but either one of those, I guess, is uh, is fine. I, I would prefer the social impact and quality hmm. uh, way because I guess that's what, where my work lies with CGF. Yeah, they get that. In a way, you're actually also with Educate. You're you can s- scale up your impact by doing quality and also quantity on the side so maybe both are possible yeah that, that is i guess the big challenge to let's find a way see, let's to combine see in five them. years yeah <laughs> can't wait to see it well 
Uh, where can people find you? ConcreteJungleFoundation.org? ConcreteJungleFoundation.org. Uh, at, at Concrete Jungle Foundation. That's it on the Facebook. Hashtag Concrete Jungle Foundation. Pretty much everywhere with Concrete Jungle Foundation. I mean, it's an easy, easy name to remember. Yeah. And if you want to follow our specific projects, they're CGF underscore Jamaica or CGF underscore Peru. Peru. Okay, nice one. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Tim, for joining us. Thank you to everyone at CGF and everyone who supported it along the way. And of course, from our side, uh, yeah, thanks to all of our artist partners because it's those collaborations which allow us to fund projects like yours. Thank you to everyone who, yeah, watches and uh, collects and, yeah, is part of the skate room story our retailers, partners, our audience, everyone. And yeah, that's it. Thank you Thank so you. much for your support. Like half of our work would not have been uh, possible without it. So very, very massive. Thank you for that. And thanks for having me here. Pleasure. Tonight. Let's get that We're five year, uh, five <laughs> years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sick. Okay. Thanks a lot, man. Thank there we you. go. You're welcome.